podcast is out. The age of independence is here, where the next generation of high-performing agencies transform the agency landscape. I'm a mom, a businesswoman, and mega startup coach. This podcast is all about you, the agency owner, stepping into the new wave of opportunity, knocking out the competition in the modern market. This is the Age of Independence Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Agar. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone, loyal listeners. This is Caitlin Agar, guest hosting. Welcome back to Agency Intelligence. We're bringing you real action inside real agencies and real agency intelligence, not the artificial they want you to believe. The age of independence is here, bringing an opportunity to evolve your agency from the inside out. And during this series, we've covered so much about what that opportunity looks like today. We've talked about how to compete with the big Goliaths, balancing sales and service and what role organic growth plays in your agency today and navigating your team through big changes. So with all these big changes on the table to think about. We want to cut through the noise and bring it back to the ROI and how to move the needle in your agency today. Because a lot of the things that we've talked about might have you thinking, hmm, well, what, what's the cost to implementing that change in my agency? So maybe I've sold you that digital marketing is the way to go and you're like, great, how do I get started? The other question in the back of your mind is probably like, How much is this going to cost and will it be worth it for my agency? And so that's why we have a really special guest with us today. And um, hi, Carrie. (laughs) Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Caitlin. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Super excited to talk with you today because Carrie's going to share with us and help us understand the role that data plays in our agency valuation. And this is just so important to... Um, being able to see what a big change today can mean for your agency tomorrow. So Carrie, you're the CEO of Intel Agents and such an exciting new company that I'm so excited for agencies to to learn more about. And um, we're really looking forward to getting to know you. So where are you calling us from today? So I'm calling from Columbus, Ohio. And I'm looking out right now at red and yellow leaves that are absolutely beautiful. So yeah, I am um, loving life up here in the north. I'm a little jealous. We have about five (laughs) colored leaves to look at in Dallas, Texas, (laughs) where I am today. But that's so awesome. It's really that like super energizing time of year where people talk about spring cleaning, but when it starts to cool off in the fall, that's when I want to catch up on stuff. So me too. I agree with you. Like, you know, I think that we have redone like four rooms in our house and this COVID thing has, has changed everything. So I think we have the cleanest house we've ever had and uh, we have the most organized place you could ever see. And, you know, we're just looking for any opportunity to get outside of our house at some point, you know, it's so easy to get cabin fever this year. Oh my goodness. Yes. I think we're all trying to stay outside as much as possible as we can before things start to get really cold. And with it being like COVID 2020 year, I feel like there's both ends of the spectrum. I have my friends that are like, oh my gosh, my house is the cleanest it's ever been. And then I'm kind of on the other side of the spectrum where I'm like, 
I, do I even see the socks on the floor anymore? Um, so, so what has this whole crazy past couple of months been like for you and your family? You know, um, I have two girls. Uh, my daughters are 22 and 21. And uh, my 21 year old was actually studying abroad when all of this happened. Wow! So we have had the major bonus round that our family gets to be together. Um, you know, that we weren't expecting. She's in her senior year of her college. Um, you know, I was preparing for, I'm going to be an empty nester. And here I find myself with both girls home, more family dinners and, you know, card games and uh, weekends together than we could have ever imagined. So wow. I hate to say this, this is, I probably shouldn't say it out loud, but it's been like an amazing gift for us. Um, you know, cause I know they're going to get on their way, but it's been really nice having them home. It's that yeah. silver lining when that blessing in disguise shows up and That's so, right. so you're yeah. getting so more quality time with your girls and yeah, I'm super, super thankful for it. And, um, you know, I know that it's been hard on a lot of people, but that has not been the case in our household. It, it has been a gift. So, yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. And so they're doing online college right now. And I hope, I hopefully these things will clear up and your oldest will be able to graduate in a, in a real ceremony. But what one can hope, I guess we'll <laughs> hold our breath and see how it all pans out. You know, we're going to make the best of whatever it is, but you're right. So it's uh, one semester at a time. So she might go back next semester. I highly doubt it though. I think the way things are going, um, we're going to be, we're going to have, we're going to enjoy her at home for a little bit longer. So that's okay. That's so fun. And I hope that when my kids are older, that they'll be happy to like hang out with mom and and spend time with me. So, so what do the Wallace girls do when you're not working and not doing college degree work when you get to put your feet up? So uh, we've actually done a fair amount of kayaking um, this season, which is which is kind of neat and fun. My husband bought a paddleboard, so we um, we spend a lot of time on the water. He um, he likes the water, and we follow him there. I guess that's that's how that works. And uh, both of my girls are really heavily involved with horses as well, so we stay pretty busy. Yeah. That's awesome. I love water sports too, or at least like trying to get back into them because our kids are old enough to go kayaking with us now. And one of our favorite memories this summer was kayaking down um, a river in Asheville, North Carolina. And it was just so relaxing and just something I wish we could do every weekend. I know. Wouldn't that be amazing? I We try to. We have actually really good friends of ours that we meet on a, on a um, local body of water and it's it's now getting a little bit too cold but I have to say the scenery was amazing uh, the last time we kayaked we actually had white caps on the water wow. and I was like wow this might be a little too advanced for me I think maybe I have pushed the envelope so anyway yeah it's been a lot of fun so when you said white caps it brought back a, a moment from this summer where we took the kids white water rafting on a level one <laughs> and they loved it but um it was definitely enough that the adults wanted to, you know, take it up another level or two the next time we go white rider rafting, but it's super, super fun. So that's a super fun thing to do. Some of my most favorite memories are whitewater rafting with my family when I was younger. So totally. yeah, good for you for taking your kids out to do that. That's awesome. We try to get outside a lot. So, I mean, yeah. and you deserve the fun mom award. If I was a college student and had to like move back home, I, I think it'd be pretty cool to have a mom that we could go kayaking with and paddleboarding. Yeah. My mom, loves water as well. She grew up in Canada. Um, and I have not seen my mom and grandma this year because they're in Canada. 
due to all this COVID craziness. And my mom is going to try to make it down for a visit. So. Oh, I hope that's able to happen. That, that's the stuff you hate to hear. You a know? lot of families are separated right now, but there, there is silver lining in all of this. I'm really glad to hear that things are going so well in your corner of the world. And for um, telling us a little bit more about you, can you tell us a little bit about your insurance background and this amazing new company that you started? I sure can. So um, I am not an insurance agent. I've never sold a policy in my life. I probably never planned to sell a policy in my life, but I love insurance um, because I love small business. I love um, helping small business owners win. And that's where I've spent my entire career. So my insurance experience is 12 years deep. I started with the Ohio Insurance Agents Association my background's finance. So again, I'm all about how do I make business work? Right. Um, so when I started this job, um, it was insurance found me. I, and, you know, I'm no different than anybody else that you talk to. It's not like people wake up and say, you know what I want to do when I grow up? I want to work in the insurance industry. That is, that's typically not what you hear, right? When you meet um, that person, send them my way because we're hiring. <laughs> I will do that. I will absolutely send them your way. So insurance found me. And the thing that I loved about it was that I got to work with so many people that are um, really important in their communities. They're small business owners that are incredibly important and they're entrepreneurs. So I, I want to surround myself with entrepreneurs. So um, it's been an incredible journey. You know, I started as the CFO of the Ohio Insurance Agents Association, be um, prior to that, I was in a startup. I was in a technology startup. So um, I knew they had a merger that was going to happen within their um, within our state. So I was able to do some work there. But then eventually we decided as an association that we needed to change our value proposition. And so many of our agents had needs that we would then refer them away. And instead, we decided to build what they needed. And one of those major needs was knowing the value of their agency and being able to tell how to build a perpetuation plan for them. That was one. And the other was we recognized as associations, we have so much data that we could help leverage and help our agents learn from each other in a much more meaningful way. Associations bring agents together. Well, while we're bringing them together, we can leverage this data and really help them learn from each other, understand the benchmarks and start making informed business decisions based on the data that we already had. So I got to lead both of those efforts. Um, we built consulting and valuation um, and perpetuation planning services, as well as a data analytics team in order to leverage the data and start to help agents um, really understand what they already, what they, what's inside their agency and what they can learn from each other. So yeah. it's, is it safe to say that you're a numbers person? <laughs> Big time. Yes. Have you always been that way? I, I have. Numbers come really easy. And I would tell you that I'm a numbers person, but I really thrive in what the story is that the numbers tell you. I'm not a, um, I'm not a statistician. Um, I'm, I'm an unusual, like typically numbers people, not very dynamic, whatever. I actually thrive in how do we, how do we build the story to then figure out what the numbers are telling us and take action. So I'm more in the forecasting modeling. Um, that's where I live and thrive. So yes, numbers are part of it, but it's a means to an end for me. 
if that makes sense. I think it's such an important conversation to have because when you talk about seeing small businesses win, small business owners are wearing so many hats. And so they have the passion and the heart and they're putting their identity into this business that they're building. That's going to make this huge impact in their community, but they have to be the people person and the relationship builder and the numbers person and a million other things on top of that. When you get into the HR person and the sales coach and the accountant for your office, depending on, you know, the stage of your agency life, you're probably dealing with everything from, helping unravel difficult claim situations to the next networking event, and then taking time to be able to look ahead to the future three years from now and forecast out what the numbers are telling you that three years is going to going to look like at that point in time. Uh, a lot of times I think it, it, it can get stuck in the rear view mirror just because agency owners are so busy and they have so much on their plate. So no doubt, no doubt at all. And honestly, that's where we come in where um, it's, I've never once heard someone say, now that I know my value, or now that I understand that number or that benchmark, that it wasn't worth the time, but getting to find the time to do it is very, very difficult. So, (laughs) you know, the, the good news is 50 50% 50% of the agency owners that are out there today or are at or near retirement, 50%. Wow. Think about that. So that means uh, in our state, $4.5 billion in premium volume is going to change hands. Wow. They have to know what they're doing and they have to know what the value of their agency is, what their options are. And doing that in a way that's, um, that's manageable, And that's able to then be translated to what can I do about it? And what does that mean for me is a incredibly valuable thing. It's a, it was a huge need. The data is what told us what thing to build first. And that was without question, the service that we needed to build first. No, no question around it. So as far as your data pool goes, how many agencies are in this ecosystem? With your company. So Intel Agents started about two years ago and it started, it was born in Ohio. We came up with a data strategy um, and then we talked to our peer states about what we were doing. There's a whole network of association leaders that we all do the same thing. Our mission is to help our agents be better. And so um, there were six additional states that were investors and then five additional states that became subscriber states. So with that footprint that we originally started, it's over 20,000 agencies that we have in the ecosystem um, of Intel agents. And we have varying levels of data on all of those agencies, Mm -hmm. Um, but the common is the data that they share with the association. That's really the foundation that we were then able to aggregate and move and put them into benchmarks that we can help our agents grow. So with so much data available, it sounds like that enables you to be able to drill it down to the particular agency size and type and goal and what they're looking to do with that, because that's, there's a lot of information there um, to really guide you depending on what direction you're looking to go. So I'm curious what some of the trends are when you're looking at that data, what are you seeing as some of the big needs in the independent industry right now? You mentioned that there's so many people that are coming up on retirement. So um, can you talk to us a little bit more about that? 
So the number one need in our industry is hiring. Absolutely. I mean, you said it. Um, I've never met an agency owner that isn't looking to hire a producer or a service person or both. Um, it is there is a gap um, of talent inside our industry, and it's because we have an aging workforce. While 50% of the agency owners are at or near retirement, um, roughly 48% of the entire workforce is re- is getting close to retirement wow. age as well. So, but that varies in different marketplaces. So, I would tell you that that's the number one trend. I'd say that there is a um, there's a trend with um, I'm trying to navigate where do I invest my money? Where do I invest my resources as an agency owner? There's so much coming at agency owners. You know, when I first entered this industry, every uh, every conference I went to was talking about digital marketing. And then fast forward five years, every conference is talking about InsureTech. And fast forward to today, every conference is talking about data. If I'm an agency owner, I have no idea where to invest my money. So I think that there is a need for a roadmap to say, where do I get the most bang for my buck? What does it mean for my agency to make these moves? And how do I even start? They, I think as an industry, we inundate with all these different solutions, but there is no roadmap to tell you how to get there. And in my mind, data and what you're trying to do in your agency is the starting point to then drive you to the things that would make the most sense. Just just implementing technology or implementing something, not knowing how to measure it and how to see the impact, I think is probably not the right move. So that's why I believe there's a trend of, I wanna know what to do, but I don't know what to where to start. And I I hear that over and over and I'm sure you hear that over and over and over again. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest questions I hear is, um, should I hire like a salesperson, a service person or a support person? And how much should I pay them? Always. (laughs) Trying to figure out the compensation and how to base their comp plans is a really common question. So I'm glad you said that. That's the number one thing inside our benchmark that agents wanted to know. And what's out there today, prior to Intel agents, were national numbers, which, as you know, compensation in Texas versus compensation in Ohio or California or, you know, New York, very different beasts. So again, the volume that we have and the depth that we have inside each of the states where we have a footprint, we're we're able to do regional compensation. So even inside the state of Ohio, um, compensation in the Cleveland area is nothing like Gallipolis, which is Southern Ohio on the border of West Virginia, completely different places. Mm -hmm. We are able to help agency owners know regionally, how can I be competitive? How do I attract the right talent, keep the right talent? What compensation packages should I offer? What's, what are people doing with benefits? How do I compare there? Um, what are other things that I can do to attract the talent? But one of the biggest pieces, it's the number one expense in your agency is compensating your um, your staff. So you should need you need to know what's competitive and how much should I be doing in that area? 
And I came from the captive world where you had one carrier that paid you a certain amount for auto, certain amount for home, and if you sold a commercial policy. So it was pretty straightforward. And one of the big culture shocks for captive agents when they go independent is that you're working with multiple carriers that pay different amounts based on the line of business. Is it auto? Is it home? Is it bundled? Uh, How much prior... um, insurance history do they have and with the commercial and when you combine that with a a pretty vast carrier mix it can lead to a lot of confusion in comp plans and so um, moving from models where maybe you were paying your producers based on their total sales volume might now need to be transitioned to paying based off of the agency revenue from the policy that they just sold because writing with one carrier could be half what they wrote with another carrier so there's always uh, such important um, data to look at when you're thinking about comp and thinking about what's the revenue to the agency coming in so that I make sure that I have a really competitive comp plan, but that also makes sense for uh, what the revenue looks like for the business as a whole, and then providing incentives around that as well so that your team can see what they need to do to hit their goals, both personally and professionally. So when I say goals, their sales goal, but their personal goal might be to buy a house. (laughs) So you want them to be able to tell. And then incentivizing them towards the things that really help impact that revenue, which bundling is a huge one. When you write the car and the home together, for example, um, or with the the product lines that really make the biggest impact to the agency. So some things to think about. And you mentioned measuring the changes as you go along and keeping your eyes on like what's actually happening in the numbers. So it it makes me think about when an agency tries digital leads for the first time. If you were working with an agency that was trying digital leads for the first time, what advice would you have for them on being able to track and measure whether or not it's working? So um, you have to have a way that your system is going to tell you what your success rate is with anything that you try. So if you can't measure it, you can't monitor it and you can't tell if it's moving the the needle or not. So I would tell someone, if you adopt something, have some system in place to be able to monitor what you, what you, the outcome that you're hoping to have and what you actually do have in incremental steps in order to know, did this move the needle or not? And if you can't, like if you're going to put effort into um, marketing and you're just going to create things, but you're never going to know who clicked, who um, visited your website, who turned into a lead that turned into a close. If you can't monitor what that activity looks like, you'll never know and you'll never want to stop or even start something else. So the key is ask the question, what are you trying to do? Number one, start with a question then outline what your outcome is and then be able to measure is what I'm doing getting me closer to the outcome or not. And, you know, I'm not suggesting that, you know, you measure it, it doesn't work in some quick period of time and you abandon it, but you have to know the gauge to say, do I put more here? Do I put less here? Is it doing what I need to do? So being able to measure something is incredibly important. And, you know, I don't know that we always have the right systems to do that. That's the trick. So make sure you ask the question in a measurable way that you can then monitor. That's what I would tell them. This makes me think about pilot programs. 
which a lot of times you might see on a larger scale, like in a call center environment. And it's a method that your agency can adopt to begin a new change and then measure if it's moving the needle or not. So if it, if your agency is reapproaching digital marketing for uh, maybe it's your first time or another go around, like we're going to give it another go guys, let's do this. Let's close these puppies. (laughs) You know, Um, I think it's so important to look at the number that the stories are that, to look at the story that the numbers are telling you. Because for example, let's say an agent has a really high close ratio on those leads, but they don't have a really high lead to quote conversion ratio. They might be burning through leads and just taking the low hanging fruit, for example. So I think it really takes looking at it and thinking through, okay, what does this mean? What is this telling me? And really getting insight into what's happening on a ground level with the people and bringing the people element into that story. Well, I love that you said that because you could have one producer that's performing one way and another producer that's performing a completely different way. And if you're able to see that, it then gives you a coaching opportunity to say what's different between their two approaches to see why is the success rate so different? You know, but again, if you can't measure it, you'll never know which one to go to, to say, is there something that we can then um, share inside the agency to make sure that we're doing all the right things? You know, one of the other things I would tell you is um, there are ways to change the value of your agency, to impact the value of your agency with some of these moves. Like, I think we see it in day to day, but if you step back and look at the value of your agency... Um, what really drives the value is the consistency in the revenue and the future revenue that is going to be generated and maintained inside an agency. So if you're able to know what your baseline is and what all those risk factors are that cause your value to either go up or down, depending on where you are, and now you know how you can influence it, your value, you get to see in, in real black and white the things that you're doing on a macro level, how it impacts the value of your agency. I think for, for us, that's been really rewarding to demonstrate to agents that have done valuations year over year. They've implemented changes and they've seen massive movements in their value because they're making investments in their agency and they can see the impact of that. Um, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Loyal listeners, this is the beauty of insurance. And that's that the investments that you make today to drive revenue into your agency have an exponential impact. So if you have a three-year timeline or even longer, a four or five-year timeline, the investment that you make today in, let's say, for example, hiring a new service person or sales specialist into your agency Year one, you might even see a loss to your, your cash flow in the first six months That's or the right. first year, depending on how you have it set up. But what will it look like for your agency this time next year and the year after that? Um, what kind of impact do you see to agency valuations that are able to move the needle on their retention a little bit? Oh, retention. So that's, that's the gold of our agency. If you want to know why private equity is so interested in our industry, it's because that renewal income is so consistent. Um, It is the highest of any industry. I think that our average is somewhere around 85 to 90% renewal rates. If you can move that 
slightly, that becomes incredibly valuable inside your agency, especially when you do it year over year compounding. It's one of the best things you can do. It's so much easier to keep your business than get new business. Um, so if you find a way to talk to your customers, understand how they feel and figure out how to get even 2% of them to remain, that wouldn't, you know, to predict who might leave and be proactive about that. It's one of the best investments you can make inside your agency. We did a, we did a few studies of what that looks like. Um, resource allocation changes. So if you did um, a very small investment on something like NPS, where you talked to your clients and you found out exactly how they felt and they took a proactive approach. Tell us what a, you mean by NPS. A net promoter score. Yeah, net promoter score. So it's, a, it's an inexpensive way to survey your clients to know exactly how they feel. I'm using an example. I'm not saying that this is the end all be all, but it's a way to connect with your clients and be proactive. And then now before they're upset and leave, you could actually go mitigate a problem that you might not have ever known you had. You might think they're a loyal um, client and they give you a two, which means they are not a happy client at all. And you have the opportunity to be proactive. By doing something that easy, inside your agency, you can move the needle of your um, retention, which could mean, I mean, over five years, that can move the needle of a $2 million agency to a $3 million agency or a $2.5 million agency. I mean, it, it's a massive change. It really depends on what your growth rate is, what your risk factor, there's lots of factors, but in, improving your growth improving your profitability and improving um, anything that there's a major concentration, um, meaning multiple owners, multiple um, producers, mitigating that risk cause your value to go up immediately. Yep. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have in 30 days. That's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified.
you can look at the compensation that you're looking to spend on this new talent in your agency, this new licensed service professional that's yep. going to love on your clients. And you can calculate, okay, if I'm spending this much on, you know, their their base, their incentives, their benefits, if you're able to offer benefits, then how much would they need to move the retention needle by in order for that addition to the team to make sense to our bottom line? And then you're able to track and measure it as you go along. Part of that seeing how impactful that person's being in their role, but also being able to tell, hey, is this, was this a positive impact on the agency? And I think it, it really at that point, comes down to the training and the processes in your agency. When we're talking retaining your current client base and you know the clients that already love you and that have already been brought on board to your agency by your awesome sales team, it may not actually take that much to invest in having one or two more licensed service team members come on board to your agency, but then their ability to really move that needle in retention beyond where it already is today comes down to your training and education and your processes because retention is such a, a proactive process and it's about making those outbound movements to get in front of your client to um, strengthen that relationship before problems arise, that there has to be processes built around that. And so one of the things that, um, that our team works on is process mapping and process documentation, where you walk through, okay, what we're brainstorming what it's going to take for this certain program or this pilot or this process that we have in front of us, and then we document it, and then we have a roadmap to follow. And so those things take time and they take energy um, and sometimes they take a financial investment. If you're, you may find that you need to work with a consultant that can help line up those plans for you, but they, they don't have to be as financially investment heavy as maybe what we may initially think. It may just be about getting in front of the right talent, having them fall in love with your agency, and then empowering them with a continuous coaching model that has processes lined out for them so they can be confident and successful. And then you see that retention percentage continue to increase and your agency valuation going up with it. And so it's a lot of work. I think it's a lot of looking at the data. It's a lot of looking at the numbers. It's a lot of planning, getting in front of the right people. You may want to work with a consulting team for sure on that, but making sure that you're not just plunking someone into that role, but making sure they have the tools in their tool belt, you can see really big differences in the revenue coming into your agency from a relatively small initial investment. From I what couldn't I agree more. And, and honestly, the other thing I would add is get familiar with what the benchmarks are. So you know your agency. I, I firmly believe that technology that's currently inside in, uh, independent insurance agents are, are widely underused. So, and, and it's the nature of, you know, coverage, you know how to sell, you, you're not a technologist. So every single time someone new comes into an agency, they get trained by someone else and that knowledge goes smaller, smaller, smaller. It, and if, if you're not really careful about it, right? So I would get really comfortable with what are the performance metrics in your marketplace, because they're going to reflect the average size of the agency um, accounts. They're going to they're gonna reflect what the mix of business is in that marketplace, which looks and feels different in Florida or in Texas or in Ohio. So now you've got really strong benchmarks to use as a gut check 
to then apply to your own agency and say, are there opportunities inside my agency to be more productive? Maybe you don't need to hire. Maybe it is policies and procedures, utilizing what you already have, figuring out where the gaps are in your process, or maybe you're outpacing everyone because, you know, but you don't know, you truly don't know unless you have a gut check. Again, I, I love working with entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs because they have a million ideas, but if you have nothing to gut check it against, it's really hard to know, am I on the right path or am I not on the right path? So I'd say really, Look at your own data, figure out what you're trying to do and gut check it against what the standards are and make sure that there's not a gap that you might need to pay attention to, right? I'm absolutely, I'm so excited about this data revolution because I keep thinking, why didn't we have this earlier? What would have been different if we had this at our fingertips five, 10, 15 years ago? Because it used to feel like uh, it was that figuring out what the benchmarks were really looked like just trying to make sure you were in the right golf club or that you had the right peers or that you were in the right um, groups. And the data kind of cuts through some of that noise and it, the information is unbiased. And then it's really just about trying to figure out what story it's telling That's you right. and right. interpreting it, you know, absolutely. There's a challenge there because we can, we can make the wrong interpretation. We can come up with the wrong strategy for moving forward, but then we can recalibrate because we're measuring that and we can go back to the drawing board and keep moving forward. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's why if you start with a question that you're going to answer, you know what data to look for, what you're measuring. I also think you said data revolution, and I 100% agree with you. I think that we are in a movement and our industry is lagged behind other industries in this movement. Number one, because we run really profitable businesses that have great retention. And so it, it's it, the need for it hasn't been as great. I think this pandemic created a, um, a gap between those that have already leveraged technology and leveraged data and those that are not. And I believe that it created a need, but not, not still a massive need. I think there's great opportunity for those that choose to leverage this and start um, enhancing the, the performance inside their agency. Because again, these are amazing. I mean, I, I have to tell you how many agencies I see that are run in an amazing way. So, but there's always ways to get better and optimize what you're doing. There's, there's just no question about that. So I, I think that we don't need to be overwhelmed by data. We need to think about it and be planful about it because there's a massive amount of data inside an agency. If you try to measure everything and manage to everything, you're going to manage to nothing. So five to seven KPIs, ask the questions that you're trying to manage. Like seriously, don't do that to yourself. What are these questions that we should be asking? Like what, what are the questions that you love it when you hear agency owners ask? I love, where should I focus for new business? Okay. How do I, is my retention where it should be? Or is it something else? Mm -hmm. How many carriers should I have inside my agency? How do I maximize my carrier relationships? Those are things that you can get your arms around and really think about. Because if you think about, you know, what should I compensate my staff? I hear that all the time. If I didn't have that on the list, I might be a lynching because that's, you know, it's your, it's your number one expense. Those five questions 
really tell you which things you should be monitoring and which things you should be paying attention to, to, to effectively run your business. It will lead you to other data, but if you focus on that, it really gives you a good framework of, am, is my structure right? Have, am I partnered in the right way? Am I focused in the right industries? You know, it, should I be focused somewhere else? Um, you know, there's risk inside your book. You should know where that risk is and you should know where your new business should come from and what's at risk inside your own book that you should be thinking about retention. And those are the questions you should be asking because, again, that is incredibly valuable to the agency. So those are the key questions that I love to hear. And it's it's just good life advice. So yeah. Coming to the table with less answers and asking better questions. Right is this working? What if, who else? And right. being reflective. Yeah. So it's a good reminder. Yeah. I, I love hearing that, you know, and every agency is different. The goal inside an agency, it depends where they are in their life cycle, what their goal is. You know, some agency says, I, I don't need any new customers. I need to round out the customers I've got. Where are the opportunities inside my book that I need to make sure that I'm really rounding that out? That's a completely different measurement than someone saying, I'm, I want to grow it 15% every year and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, crush it and I want to get into these niches. Completely different mindset, completely different comp plan, completely different, you know what I mean? So you really need to make sure you know what you are trying to do and you're measuring to that. Neither's wrong. I mean, there's, there's great opportunity in both, but it's just, you're going to look at different things, right? What, what role are you seeing organic business, new business play in the independent world right now? I think we're seeing a shift towards there being a higher need to have systems and processes in your agency to drive organic growth. What are you seeing from your end of the table? So I would tell you that um, agencies that have invested in someone to focus on marketing in a, in a meaningful way are driving more organic growth than those that are not. Um, that's what I, I see the roles inside agencies changing. Um, and I see those that are forward thinking are now doing things that an agency 10 years ago didn't really think they needed to do. So I think that there's a, there's a skill set that um, is needed in order to understand marketing and the analytics around marketing. I think that there is, um, there's someone that really needs to manage whatever data and whatever technology you put in place, you have to have someone who understands it and they can make sure that it's being utilized to the fullest. Um, those didn't exist before. Those were someone who was passionate inside the agency doing that. But I, I can tell you, I've had um, a fair number of agencies say, can you give me a job description for a marketing person inside my agency? It's not something I've ever had before. Can you give me a, a sample job description of who I should be looking for? That's, that's a new thing. Like that, that tells me people are investing in how to find new business and how to really be focused in the right way. And it's no longer 80% of my business comes from referrals. No, we're actually out there so people can find us that don't know us, which is a new, um, it's not new. It's just a, a higher focus on it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so what do you see? What I'm are you seeing? 
I'm seeing, here's what I see from my end of things. And I'm, I'm in education at Quantum. So we, we develop the programs and processes that help um, agencies scale and grow. And marketing is like such a huge part of that. And I see that agencies want that organic growth, but that just figuring out the sales conversation is half the battle. Because it's one thing to be in front of the client. It's one thing to have the phone ring. It's one thing to have that great internet lead right in front of you, the high intent lead that you're, you have your, your licensed professional on the phone with, or to have that referral from the mortgage broker coming in your agency. And then it's, can, can we have a really impactful conversation that actually results in that person signing on board with our agency today? And it sounds easier then it really is. It's easier said than done. And so I'm really seeing this increased need for really impactful sales training inside agencies so that when you're getting in front of the right client, which is, you know, part of your job as the agency owner is to help make sure that that marketing, marketing strategy, strategy is working, but then how effective are the people inside your agency at, turning that lead into a real meaningful client relationship. And so that requires a lot of training and ongoing education because there's so many parts of the insurance sales conversation today that to be successful, they feel counterintuitive at first. So I'll give you an example. Let's say that you have this awesome new home buyer in front of you on the line with your, your producer, and maybe they were even referred to you by a mortgage broker. So like, 10 bonus points there. You're doing it. It's working. And the person says like, oh my gosh, I'm buying a new home. I I need to get this insurance. I'm super stressed, super busy, lots of paperwork. How can we train our team to be able to transform that conversation from just making it about the home and just wrapping it up in 10 minutes to actually reviewing a whole bundle together, having a total risk review and helping that home buyer through a really big decision for their family so that we're not just transactional. We're not just ringing them up. We're not just doing what the big Goliath direct call centers are doing, but that we're bringing our strength to the table as a local agency. And that's taking the time and giving the really professional advice and the real professional advice for that new home buyer includes an auto and an umbrella conversation. It, it, they may choose not to go with, you know, enhanced liability, but that needs to be part of the conversation. And so I think getting the, the high intent lead, the, the right client in front of your team is part one, and then making sure that you guys are doing daily coaching. It can, at, at our company, it looks like morning huddles, afternoon huddles, weekly lab meetings, ongoing training, um, lots of videos and making sure that we're constantly filling our team's bucket with, information and input that just helps strengthen those skills so that they can be successful in what they're doing, because that's where their confidence is going to come from. And that's where they're going to want to keep growing and keep learning new things. And then the culture in your agency can shift as well to being a, you know, a dynamic growing organization where people are super excited to work and and want to stay for the long haul, especially if we have so much talent that is exiting the workforce over the next couple of years. And so thinking about what kind of um, talent we're bringing in and how excited they'll be to stay with our agency for a long period of time and how you market determines who you recruit. 
So 100%, if your yes. agency focuses on commercial, you're going to be recruiting a completely different person than someone who is marketing to personal lines or a, a different kind of insurance. Well, you said it. So just because 50% of the current market or current workforce is exiting, that does not mean it's a one for one, what will then replace that workforce. Mm-hmm. You know, I would tell you there's probably very few marketing people leaving um, leaving the insurance industry, but I would tell you they're probably hiring more marketing people today than they've ever hired before. So um, you said something really important in that, though, where it changes the culture and makes the person move from feeling like they're in a sales conversation and more into an advisor conversation. And when you can shift that and you think of yourself as I'm advising this client rather than I'm just trying to sell a policy, that's a different, it's a different field of the conversation. It's a different, and you know, I, it sounds to me like the training you're doing is all about how do you turn it into an advising? How do you share your knowledge in a different way? Um, you know, I, I have a great agent and um, I didn't before though, before I was in this industry, I was a USAA client. So I was, Hi, Mrs. Wallace. Thank you for 21 years with us kind of clients. You know what I mean? And um, I didn't have I didn't have an umbrella. I didn't know I needed an umbrella. I'm an insurance consumer. I'm the average, probably more educated now that I've been in this industry, but I didn't have an umbrella. And it took someone to care enough to have a rounded conversation with us to say, you do realize you've, you've acquired some wealth and maybe you should protect yourself. Like, oh, well, that's, that's novel. I've been, <laughs> you know, I've been in an insurance engagement for a really long time and no one suggested that to me. So it didn't occur to me. Like, that's an incredibly important skill. And the right consumer appreciates someone telling you that, you know, that's not something you think about. So y'all your, your service teams and your sales teams are probably getting knocked down so much that they just start assuming things and they just start assuming like, Oh, everyone's too busy or, Oh, every home buyer doesn't want to talk about the car right now or, Oh, you know, nobody understands umbrella coverage. So I'm just, you know, I just don't want to be pushy. And so we got to cut through that noise that goes into the mindset behind it. And so being able to take a really active coaching role in your agency and being there on a regular basis to have these group meetings and these team huddles and keeping the energy flowing and making a space where they can um, talk about the elephant in the room about these things really helps evolve the energy on your team. And it helps you move from these more one-dimensional conversations with clients to that total risk review that you really want. And um, the, the cool thing about that is that even if you are using a digital marketing strategy, that really high quality conversation can still happen on the other side of that phone call. Of course it can, because it's still a customer, right? (laughs) I mean, it doesn't matter how they came to you. And you know, the same thing, data can seem super overwhelming, but when you actually break it down and have it work for you and turn it into action, that people inside your agency see the action changing their job, changing the performance of the agency. So that's the key. Know what you're trying to, to measure ask the right question, measure the right thing, and then share it. 
So you're not changing things that are part of someone's job in order to get to the clean data that you need, where they just view it as you just added five steps to my process for no reason. If they understand what that's going to mean for them and what it's going to mean for the agency and the overall success, now you've got all kinds of buy-in and they can see the difference of what's happening inside the agency. So this is a data evolution. It is not an overnight thing that, you know, one day you'd become data driven and everything's great. This is about how do you move through the steps in the right way to demonstrate the value of it rather than just thinking it's going to come to you. Numbers don't just make a difference. It's the story and it's the sharing and, and watching the outcome. So, it, you know, I, I believe it's an evolution that we need to continue to, to demonstrate meaningful, relatable things inside an agency rather than just say you need to leverage data. That, that's, as, that's as ridiculous as saying you need, to, you need to market digitally more. Like people don't know what that means until you can show it to them inside their agency. So that's what we're trying to do. Show very practical ways that data can move the needle. And I'm, I'm one of those agents where when, when the word data comes up and insure tech and, you know, yeah. data pools and lakes and all this stuff, it kind of just goes over my head because that's not my everyday. That's not what I, when I'm rolling up my sleeves, working with the team, it's very, um, very much to do with um, their conversations with the clients and their processes yes. and their agency. So what are a few numbers, pieces of data that our listeners could start tracking and measuring today, like right now, if what are maybe, maybe two or three things that they should be able to get a pulse on right away, that'll just kind of help them start to figure out what questions they should be asking from there. I would say you need to have a handle on what your new business is at every moment, who's driving it, who the new business is with, and which carrier, like you need to know what is working inside your agency, number one. Number two, you need to know your retention inside and out. You need to know it overall for the agency, by carrier, by producer, by, like you need to know what's driving that so you can find out where there are gaps. And beyond that, you need to know what productivity is happening inside your agency. You need to know um, what's working, what's not working, and how your customers feel about you. So I think you also need to know what that looks like. Um, if you have those benchmarks, you can see when something is going off the rails and be predictive about it rather than it's already done. If you look at productivity, that's going to tell you what your numbers are going to be. And so find the ones that are predictive and measure those and watch those. Don't wait for the financials to come out like that's too late. So whatever's predictive, productivity is predictive, um, lost accounts, you need to find out what you're losing so you can identify those other accounts inside your agency that it might be at risk for being lost. And you should definitely know the risk inside your business. You know, there's no question our economy has taken a major hit. So if you have a commercial lines book, you should need, you need to know what is at risk inside your book. And you need to reach out, be the advisor to those clients to find out where they are and if there's anything you can do resource-wise to help them. But then also where should growth be coming from inside your book? So that's not a data point. That's a take a look back and really understand the situation. Don't let it happen to you because you can be proactive in how you react to 
what that is inside your agency. And it's different inside every a personal lines book is completely different than a heavy commercial lines book, you know, in a tourist area. Let's just say that could be a really tricky, tricky thing. So I would say predictive benchmarks like productivity is are things that you should be aware of. So you know exactly what's happening and you can make shifts in order to change the outcome. And in a so. challenging year like COVID and 2020, the tighter your margins are, the yep. more important it is to be measuring and tracking the numbers, right. and what's That's going right. on and figuring out what that story is at the, at the bottom line. I think two things that are a good just starting point that you don't need a fancy system to just start with is asking your sales team to write down all the objections that they're getting from clients. And if they lost a sale, what was the reason they think that they lost it? Because sometimes you lose sales even when your price is cheaper. <laughs> so figuring yeah, out that. Yeah. what it was and having the service team write down every single client concern or client issue or client problem that came in, whether it was a premium increase or whether they lost their telematics discount because they didn't plug it in. If you can just start with the team making a list and giving you that feedback, then you can start figuring out what other numbers to get your eyes on. But at least it gives you something that you can start turning around in the short term. And then when it comes to getting more in depth and really um, rolling up our sleeves and really diving into what our agency valuations look like today and where we want them to be three, five years from now, how can agents um, reach you, Casey at Intel Agents? Can you tell us a little bit about your contact information and how sure. agents can reach you if they have more questions? So um, I can be reached on LinkedIn. I can be reached on Twitter. Like I'm all over the place, but our website is intelagents.io. Um, and my my contact is Carrie at intelagents.io. So yeah, I'm happy to answer any questions about um, how to understand your value, how easy it is to understand your value and that it's not just what the actual number is for your agency. It's all the things that go into the valuation of your agency, the, the insights that we can give you there and the things that you can actually influence um, to positively change what your value is prior to ever needing to, to be a transition. You never want to wait. Like if you want to sell today, don't, don't get a valuation this year, five years prior. So you can maximize your value, whether you want to perpetuate internally or sell externally, give yourself the gift of time so you can maximize your value and make the changes you need to make. That's the key. Time is like the absolute gift. Yeah, it is your friend. So plan ahead is what I would tell you. Yeah. I love what you shared earlier about helping see small business owners win. And that's what's so motivating for me is seeing this amazing agency force of real people who are showing up every day for their clients and for their team. And it can be a backbreaking job sometimes with everything that agency owners handle. And that's what I love about our industry is that there, we have this opportunity to be in this world of business where we are in the business of creating opportunity, you as an agency owner 
are creating opportunities for people in your community that need a really amazing career. And that's what keeps me coming to work every day. I love it so much because of what insurance has done to change my life and um, seeing that come to fruition in other people's lives as well. I couldn't agree more. I've met some of the most amazing people because of insurance. And if someone would have told me when I was 18 years old, like this is what your life's going to be, but man, I wouldn't change a minute of it. They are really some inspiring people. And I want them, I want to see them win all day long, you know, couldn't be, couldn't happen to a better group of people. So I, I I 100% agree with you. And I get to meet people like you, like, that's the coolest thing. This industry is so small, uh, but man, it's filled with so many incredible people. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I could talk insurance with you any day, Carrie. So you just call me if you get bored and we'll just um, talk away at it. So absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And that's why I love doing this so much is helping see agency owners win in their small businesses, in their communities, with their teams. And this has been such a fun series because we've talked about so many different hot topics and um, concepts on the table. And there's so many ideas flowing out there for your team so that you can grow and scale and compete in this modern market where there is a lot of competition, but there's so much opportunity. And um, thank you, Carrie, for sharing with us a little of the the nitty gritty that really helps us to steer the ship. And I I just want to share a quote that if I get this correctly, Henry Ford said, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses <laughs> and we don't need a faster horse. We need a transformation. And that's what the age of independence is bringing us. So agents, this is Caitlin Agar and Carrie Wallace signing off until next time.